Today we're going to be going to the Word and talking about finding value in other people. I'm excited about some of the things the Lord has shown me, but uh, go ahead and open up to Genesis chapter 1, if you would. You know, I, I, how many of you have ever been in a situation where people did not value you? Yes, we all have, haven't we? You know, I, I, I think uh, I, I heard a parent one day talking about how they sat down with their child who was gonna, about to start kindergarten and said, you know, you're going to go to school and there's going to be kids who like you and there's going to be kids who don't like you. And there's going to be kids you like and there's going to be kids that you don't like as well. But you know what? That's just the way it is. You know, I think that's pretty smart to prepare a kid that way because, uh, you know, that the world is, is not always a pretty place when it right. comes to, uh, you know, they don't always value us. I worked with troubled teenagers for many years, almost 20 years. And uh, I've been threatened. I've had people tell me, they are young people tell me they were going to kill me. I've, had, uh, I've been cussed out with every word that is in the dictionary and a lot of them that are not. And uh, I have, you know, I've had kids bite me and hit me and kick me and you name it. It's probably happened to me. But, uh, but there was, <laughs> this one sticks out to me because there was a young girl who was very, very angry at me one day. And uh, she was very tall for her age and very gangly and very, very immature. She was about 11, but she was very, very immature for 11. And uh, she was so angry. She was all red-faced and had her fist in bulls. And she was shaking. And she came out of this room and looked at me. And I was like, oh, here it comes. Been around this block before. She's like, now remind you, she's very immature, right? She's like, meanie. Meanie. I was not valued. I'm just saying. Meanie. Well, you know, you got to laugh, okay? Because that was the best she could come up with. I was impressed. That was good, okay? You know, sure beats some of the other things that I have been called. You know, Jesus said when he called his disciples, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Do you see in there, there's a process involved. He didn't say, follow me and be fishers of men. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. There's a process. There's a training involved. So, so today, it's a bit of training, so just bear with me. Some of you probably have to get a certain number of hours of training for your work or to keep your license or whatever you do. I used to have to do 60 hours when I was doing social service work, 60 hours of training a year. That is not a lot. I mean, that is not fun. That is hard to get in, trust me, when you're busy. But, you know, we did what we did. So training is sometimes a good thing. You know, there, there's a, an old adage that says, before you judge a man, walk a mile in his shoes. But you know what? Sometimes we're very, very quick to judge people. And we don't even realize how quick we are to do that, but we often act as judge and jury. Now, a lot of us who may have walked with the Lord, we think, well, we know how to say the right words. We love people. We don't like everyone, but we love them all. And, you know, we, we oh, yeah, we can say all the right words, but you know what? What's going on in here is what matters. So we're going to talk about that. 
And uh, I'm going to step on my feet today, and I may step on yours, but just forgive me if I, if I step on your feet. You know, we, we, the, the, the things that are obvious that divide us, you know, we talk about those all the time, politics, culture, religion, race, poverty, wealth. But you know what? Those are not the things that plague me on a day-to-day basis. I don't know about you. But the things that, that, that may seem relatively trivial are the ones that get me sometimes, OK? So, so number one would be my expectations for other people. I expect people to act in a certain way. And when they don't, I was talking to a nurse one day who trained, who trained new nurses. And you know, you have an expectation, and not unreasonable expectation, but you have an expectation that they're going to know something when they show up at your office to start their job. And then you start training them, and you find out they don't know anything, or they don't know anything like what you think they should know. You know, when you're working with people, you expect them to, to you know, carry their weight. And they may not carry their weight the way you expect them to. You know, we judge people who uh, <clears throat> have clothes that we don't care for. Come on. <laughs> well, really? You don't look at me like that. You know? No, well, and if they're driving too close or too fast or too slow, and they, we, don't like, you know, we don't like the way they drive, okay? All right. I'm, that's... Mm. And, you know, maybe we don't like the way they talk because that tells us they're from some other place or some other culture or some other something, and we don't like that. And, you know, people do a lot of ignorant things and make choices we don't like. And, you know, we, there's a hundred things we could talk about, but those are the things that, that, that get us, okay? Those are the things that, that, that make us... <clears throat> are you in Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. I'm in the New American Standard Bible for most of this uh, morning. But uh, Genesis 1:27 says this. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female. He created them. You know, if, if we are honest with ourselves, every person on this planet that we look at, they were made in the image of God. And, and, you know, when we don't respect that, when we don't honor, and you guys, I, I know you all know this, but I'm just saying, you know what, sometimes we just need to reel it in right. and back up and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to turn a new leaf and I'm going to start treating people the way they deserve to be treated, regardless of what I think of them, because what I think of them is frustrating sometimes. And, and that's just being honest. We get frustrated with each other. Yeah. But, but, you know, if you're a new creation... If you've received Jesus into your life, your spirit man is, is new. And, and if you say anything negative about somebody, that violates your heart. If you're just honest about it. You know, there, there was a, a, a woman. I, I was in a place where I got promoted to a position that she thought she should have had. And uh, she did not appreciate me. And she let a number of people know because they came and told me what she said that she didn't appreciate me, and she did not see the value of me having that job over her. Okay, I can, I, can, uh, I can live with that to a point, but I got fed up with people coming back to me and saying, well, 
here's what she said to me, and I got done, I was done with that. So I, I walked into the office one day, and uh, I, I was gonna give her a piece of my mind. And uh, y'all have never done that, so just humor me and smile. Just keep that nice, real smiley, you know, look kind of neutral face, and no one will know. Anyway, um, so I was going to give her a piece of my mind, and, and, and right before I did so, I checked down here in my heart. You know what I found here? Kindness, love, understanding for why she was hurt some understanding of how frustrating it must be for her that she got passed over for the job and somebody else got the job, her dream job, somebody else got it. I didn't want to feel any of those things. I wanted to be mad, I have to be honest with you. But that's what was here, and I had enough sense to shut up and go, okay. See, see when the Bible says walk in love with each other, it, it isn't walking in love, you know, like walking with love, in love with, you know, with Ed, it is always easy because Ed's always nice to me. He's never said one cross thing to me. He's never said, done anything rude to me. He's never hit my car. He's never kicked my dog. He's never done anything that wasn't nice. Okay, but, but walking in love isn't just being nice to the people that are nice to you. Right. Walking in love, you're really not walking in love until it's somebody that you don't like what they did and you got to make a decision that you're going to act according to your spirit man Act according to the word of God and not just act out in your flesh. Because that's easy to do. I'm sorry. That's the easy route. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Ephesians 5.1. You can write that down if you want. But it says, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. You, you, you see that the, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While they were crucifying him, while they were giving him vinegar to drink, and after they had whipped him and, and, and all of that, what did he say? You know, God, strike them dead, all of them. No, that is not what he said. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Where do you think that came from? Spirit. He looked out. How do you look out in, in his condition, in his situation, and, and have compassion? Because he was conscious of his spirit man inside of him that saw they don't have, an, they don't have any idea what they're doing. You know, how do you say, Father, forgive them? You know what? But, but right before that, what did Paul write to us? Be imitators of God. You know, if, if God were, uh, let's say it this way, we're able to do that. If we weren't able to do it, God would be unjust, and it would be unfair of him to ask us to do it. But, but see, we can't do it in and of ourselves, and he didn't ask us to. He said, be strong in the... Lord and in the power of his might, and that's what enables us to walk in love. It isn't in our own ability, because just like I said, you know, I was ready to give that young lady a piece of my mind, and I checked here. I was like, oh, that's not what's here, but that was what was here. So we want to go by our heads, and, and you know, the Bible says that we have to have our brains transformed, doesn't it? You know, 
You know, in Second Peter 1, 4, it says we can be partakers of the divine nature. You know how you do that? You get conscious of your spirit, man. You know, that sounds real, wow, partakers of divine nature. Well, you know what? If it wasn't possible, he wouldn't have told us to do it. But it is possible. But we have to start paying attention to our spirit man. And we have to start doing the, the choosing to do the right thing, because that's what we, we have to do. We are the ones who make the choice. We have to do that part. That's not his part. You know, I said that during the offering. There's a God part and a man part to everything. Well, the, the, the God part is he saved us, he rescued us, he gave us a new spirit, that, and, and, and he filled it with his love, the Bible tells us. We may get to that verse. And if you're honest, when, when you're dealing with somebody, there's love there for them, whether, you, you, whether your head wants to love them or not. Mm-hmm. And, and if you go ahead and give them a piece of your mind, after you're done, you feel really good, right? No, no. no. No, not usually. No, that would not be how that works. Because inside your spirit's going, wow, you shouldn't have said that. Well, it doesn't ever help. It doesn't fix the situation, does it? No, then you just have to go back and do damage control, right? So, so we might as well learn to start doing the right thing in the first place, all right? I, talking to me here, I'm sure. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Turn there. The... As we learn to walk with him and as we become more and more conscious of what the word says and, and the word becomes more a part of us and we start, you know, you start with little steps. You don't go from A to Z like this, okay? We don't, we don't get our minds renewed in three seconds, okay? It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. God just does a process and, and we're the one that are making that process take longer, because he's going as fast as he can with us. I think, I think I talked about that recently with some of you. But, but he is waiting on us, not the other way around. All right? We feel like we're waiting on him. God, why aren't you going faster? Well, he's going as fast as he can. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. Yeah, but Paul's talking about our relationships with other people. And in verse 16, it says, Therefore... From now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Well, what does that mean? That means this. That means that I don't just look... I pick on Pastor Edwin all the time so that he, he can handle it, okay? I don't just look at Pastor Edwin according to the flesh and deal with him because, because as I deal with different people, they may have something about them I don't like. I may not like the way they look. I may not like the way they act. I may not, you know, you know maybe, you know, he, he does... You know, maybe he has, you know, 600 body piercings, or maybe, you know, this person's covered with tattoos, or maybe they, they uh, look like, you know, hell's angel, or I don't know what it is, okay? I don't know what, what it is that you're going to run into when, when you're out in the world, okay? But, but what did Paul say? Now, look at that again. It says, therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. What? What? No, see... See, God doesn't, you know, Jesus said this. He said, the flesh counts for nothing. Amen. You see that? You know, uh, some of you guys in this room are real young. You know, before you know it, you're going to be older than me. And, and it goes like that. Life just goes fast, doesn't it, guys? You know, you know, it, it, it seems like yesterday when I was Jake's age. 
and uh, I'm not Jake's age anymore. But, but life goes fast. From now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. So, so what's God telling us here? Keep going. Uh, even though, well, skip down, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. So God, we were divided from him because of sin. And he got rid of the sin through Jesus, and he reconciled it, us to himself. And so, so uh, Jake, I'll get you up here. So, so now we're in partnership with him, and uh, so we're in partnership with God. And now God says, okay, and now that I've reconciled you, I'm giving you the ministry of reconciliation. So then it's uh, your job to go find somebody else who's not reconciled to God and, and take hold of them and, and then drag them. Whoops, don't let go of him. All right? Because now you have the, the ministry of reconciliation. God reconciled you, and now you have the ministry of reconciliation, and now he's reconciled, and so now you have the ministry. We could just keep going here, but that's how this is supposed to work. But see, I don't, if I recognize people according to the flesh, then it's like, well, you know, I, I, I don't think I like that person. That has absolutely nothing to do with it. Not one thing. I don't care if you don't like them. That doesn't, right. that, I mean, does that even, how is that even relevant? You see what I'm saying? You guys can sit down. Thank you. You know, how is that even, how is that even relevant? Jesus looked out on the whole, the whole sea of people, all of humanity, and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Right. You know, he didn't go, well, let's see. We'll forgive that one and no, 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 no. And that one and no, see, see, he didn't do that. And you know what? We can't do that either. Not if we're going to follow him. Not if we're going to be imitators of who? Christ. Yeah, not if we're going to do that. Not if we're going to, from now on, what did it say? It says, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Do you see that word, those words up there? No one. No one. You know? I, 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 uh, Finise was telling me a story back a while ago. I believe she ran into someone. I forget where it was. But somebody who looked, whoa. Come on, They didn't look, they didn't, as, as I recall the story, they didn't look like a safe person. But you know what? It didn't stop her. And you know what? You'd be surprised. You know, you don't know who's ready to say, oh, my, I need Jesus. You don't know. So, you know, don't just judge them just because you don't like the way they look or don't like the way they act or don't like what they said, you know. <laughs> First John chapter 3, you can turn there. <clears throat> that verse that says, Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. The NIV says this, So from now on, we recognize no one from a worldly point of view. Hello, that's good. The New Living says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. You know, just stop. Just stop looking at them from a human point of view. And look at everybody as somebody that was made in God's image. They may have tarnished that image a bit. They may have done something to themselves to make themselves not look like they did, but that's okay. You know what? Just disregard all that. And everybody you see, if you just say, okay, they are somebody made in God's image, 
and I am an ambassador, and I'm not going to, you know, some people are just so used to people rejecting them, the fact that you even say hi to them surprises them. Now think about that. I know, I know people who feel that way. I mean, they're just so used to it. They're so accustomed to just being rejected that, you know, they, they really set themselves up to be rejected. But you know what? A, a, an ambassador doesn't, that, that, that they're, you're a sent person by God to show that person what God is like. And, and it has nothing to do with how they look or how they act or anything else. We're just going to, okay. And, and, you know, we're so, we get so caught up. Maybe I should talk about me here. Some days I get so caught up in my life and being busy and things go wrong and things are crazy. And, uh, you know, th this morning um, I, I, uh, I got grease all over my iron shirt that I was going to wear for church. And it, you know, I mean, you know how things go, right? Things just go a little backwards and you're like, and, and, you know, but, but, you know, the enemy wants to get you so distracted and so upset and so bothered by everything going on and so upset with your boss and your spouse and your kid and blah, 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 that you don't even notice this hurting person over here that God put in your path so that you could smile at him and just tell him God loves him. All right, but you're, I, I do this. I get so caught up. I, I miss opportunities that are right there before me because I'm so focused on me. Did you make it to 1 John 3? 1 John 3, verse 13. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. Here's the real kicker, though. Verse 14. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. We love the people in the church, all right? Now, do you get along with everybody in the church real well? No, probably not. But you know what? There is plenty of love right here. The Bible says that God has poured out his love into our spirits, all right? And, and if he has poured out his love into your spirit, man, then there's plenty of love there because God has no shortage. Are you aware of this? The Bible says God is love. That's right. God is love. He doesn't just love as an action some days when he feels like loving. No, no, it says he is love. And, and if he is love, and he is, and he's poured out that love, and he did, then there's plenty of love for you to love the brethren. And Paul said, didn't he? Or John said, rather, we know we have passed out of death into life because we love. You know, now that doesn't mean your head's always going to love because you're, you're, some of you are sitting there going, whoa, maybe, am I saved? No, no, okay, slow down, slow down. You, 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 you have to see that that isn't in your head. That's like dealing with that lady that I worked with when I checked down in my heart. Oh, yeah, plenty of love there. You know, but now, you know, I have, I have some of my uh, children's teachers in this room, and, and there's kids, they act up, they do things, they get frustrating, don't they? And you're like, what do I do with this kid? But, but, but see, that, that isn't what I'm talking about here. You know, deep at the bottom of it, you love the kid. You love all the kids. You want to bless them. You want to teach them. That's why you're there. But, but, you know, situational things make it challenging for us. But if we check down in our hearts, not always in our heads. Our heads, you know, our heads can, our heads can, can skip around. But, 
But our heads, though, the Bible says that our soulish realm, so our mind, our will, and emotions can be saved. They can be transformed. They can be renewed. But how do we do that? By the word of God. So if you're not in the word at all, and you're not in church at all, and then you're just you're trying to do it on your own, you're going to be frustrated because it's like, wow, you know, my head, my, I'm just out of control. You know, I heard, I heard a Christian say last Sunday, my life is a mess. I'm like, oh, you should not Come say on. that. <laughs> you should not say that, you know, because, because here, here's the deal. You know, if we just look at the natural circumstances and we just look at our heads. Now, you know what? Your life is not a mess. If you're born again, your life is not a mess. I have news for you. All right? You are a new creation in Christ. You are renewed. The love of God is poured out in your heart. The Bible says he's given you the measure of faith. So you've got faith and love. Whether you, I don't feel that. No, that has nothing to do with it. Not one thing to do with it. So you might as well say the truth instead of how you feel in your head. But, you know, we can all feel like a mess in our head. But you know what? Your life is not a mess if you're in Christ. It's not. You know, Pastor Tony, you remember he said this. Uh, he's probably said it more than once. I'm not always up here. But, you know, he talked about the Lord spoke to him one day and said, people treat me like I'm not real. I, I, I have news for you. He is real. I could spend the next Two days telling you things that he's spoken to me, things he said to me, things he did for me, miracles, how he's healed my body. I could go on and on, but he is real. He's alive. And, and his word is always true. And, and so, you know, are we going to, you know, Psalm 50, to him who orders his, right, his life aright, I will show the salvation of God. You know, there's a man part to this. We got to start obeying what the word says. We got to start, you know, when, if, if I didn't feel, uh, if I didn't feel any love toward Mark, right? If I didn't feel any kindness toward him, I was just frustrated with him. You know what? The, the, the word says that, 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 that we put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying you just pretend, but you know what? I'm still going to take steps. If, if I'm going to walk in love, if I'm going to do what the word says, I'm going to take steps to be kind to him. I don't care what he does to me. That has nothing to do with it. See, you know, people want to walk around. They want to get offended easily. Really? Grow up. Okay, did I say that? It's good preaching. Come on. Okay, but, but, but seriously, what, what do you, all you're thinking about is yourself in that moment. Okay, am I right? Okay, are we going to be real here or not? Okay, it's true, right? Okay, I don't, you know what? Many, and we'll talk about this in a little while, many of us have really been hurt by people. We've been wronged by people. But, but you know what? You, you think you can outdo Jesus. Yeah, but he was God. No, 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 no. He put aside God and, and came down to earth as a man. The Bible says that. You think he wasn't tempted to have resentment? You think he wasn't tempted to stay hurt by what people did to him or said to him? Go back and read on your own time. Go back and read Isaiah 53. It says he grew up as a root in dry ground. I want you to think about that. Just meditate on that one for a minute. You think that was a, do you think it was easy for him? A root in dry ground. That not, that's not nice. That isn't a good thing. But that's how it was. His life was like that. 
and people rejected him. I mean, despised him for no reason. He didn't do a thing wrong. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with great, a man of, you know, he, he, he gets it. That's why he filled our hearts with love. That's why he gave us of his spirit. That's why he saved us and healed us and restored us and did all those things for us so that we could walk free. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that you have set free. See, he wants you to walk in freedom. Freedom from all that stuff, all the resentment, all the offense. Not even let it hit you. Don't even let it. It's just like Teflon. Just let it just roll off, you know? We got a new Teflon pan, and I thought, well, you know, I always spray the pan with a Pam, you know, before I try to fry an egg. And, uh, you know, I, I sprayed the, the Pam in there, and it just balled up in little balls. It didn't stick to the Teflon, okay? You know, you could be a Teflon Christian. Just be a Teflon Christian. Don't let anything stick to you. You know, we passed out of death into life. We know we've passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart. You might as well act it out. It's there. Might as well use it. Matthew 5. Let's go there. Matthew 5. Here's Jesus talking. And then we're going to turn to James 4, so you'd be ready, okay? Matthew 5, verse 43. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, there's three chapters in a row of a solid teaching, and Jesus was just giving him an idea of, of what he, his ministry was, what God was really like, what the Heavenly Father was really like. They had no idea, because all they had was the law and the, and the Pharisees trying to the Bible talks about the Pharisees just trying to get their money and trying to show off and show them how spiritual they were. And Jesus, you know, God's not just up there. He's your father. I mean, he was telling them all these things they didn't know. So in uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, it says this. You have heard it says you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends his rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. You see that? See, God just loves everybody. He, he, he'll speak to everybody. He'll, he'll help people. I know unsaved people who've gotten healed made them want to get saved. Amen? Of course it did. Why wouldn't it? They found out God was real. They found out God was alive. They found out he, he wasn't just, you know, some grumpy man up in heaven who didn't like what they did. See, that, that isn't how he is. Let's keep going there. Verse 46. For you, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors, they were the lowest form of life in that day, do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles, people who don't know God, that means, do the same. Therefore, you are to be perfect or mature as your heavenly Father is perfect. Again, if he uh, was telling us to do something we couldn't do, that wouldn't be right. But we can do it. We can walk in love. We can walk in, in uh, kindness toward people who don't love us. I mean, have you ever done it? It's the greatest feeling in the world. It's the greatest feeling in the world to love somebody who hates you and to do something nice for somebody who hates you. Brother Hagen uh, 
was speaking. He was speaking at a at a church one time, and the pastor didn't like him at all. And 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 the longer he was there speaking, the less the pastor liked him. And then the enemy was jumping all over Brother Hagen about it. And Brother Hagen told the enemy, he said, "You know, you shut up, or I'm going to take him another offering." Well, that shut him up. <laughs> the devil doesn't want any pastor to get a second offering. Okay, so. Uh, you know, but, 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 you know, we all have to deal with it. It isn't, like, it isn't like Jesus didn't have to deal with it. He had to deal with the same exact thing. I mean, think about it. All the Pharisees and all the Sadducees and, and, and the scribes who just hated him for no reason. He didn't do anything except speak the truth. And, and the Bible says you'll know the truth. They knew he was telling the truth. Nicodemus, one of the Pharisees, came to him at night. Didn't want anybody to know he was going to see Jesus, but he wanted to come and talk to Jesus, and he said to him, we know you speak the truth. See, they knew he spoke the truth. They just didn't want to hear it. They didn't want somebody else coming in and, and having the people follow them. They were jealous of it. But Jesus, you know, <laughs> he dealt with, you know, the Bible says he was tempted in every way that we are. Doesn't it say that? Yeah. So, so if that's true, then, then when you've had people at work that didn't like you or, or were jealous of you and made trouble for you, if you've had family members that were, we'll talk about family here in a minute, but family members who made life difficult for you, yeah, we've all had to deal with this stuff. Jesus had to deal with this stuff. His brother James didn't even believe in him, didn't believe him in, in him at all, made his life difficult. And then the Bible tells us that, that James, who wrote the book of James, that God appeared to him, and that changed, oh, changed his mind. Oh, you are crazy. See, see, that's the thing, it is when we're dealing with other people, and, 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 and there, can, you know, there, there can be just total, they may totally hate you, and in one second, that can change. So, it isn't worth it for us to get in the flesh and give them a piece of our mind and tell them what we think of them and tell them how we don't like them. You know, it's not even worth that because in a one word from God and they'll change their mind and they'll see it differently and they'll see you differently and everything can change. There was a guy who hated, hated me at one of my jobs when I was in college. That was a long, long time ago. And by the end of three months, we were best friends. But, but if I'd have said some of the things to him, like he said to me, if I'd have said back to him the things he was saying to me, and I mean, he really hated me for no reason, but that's not the point. Okay, I'll tell you why he hated me. Kidding, not joking. He hated me because I was from Nebraska. Yeah, I'm not joking. <laughs> Apparently, uh, college football was more important to him than it was to me. So, literally came up to me screaming when I met him. I'm not kidding. Somebody had told him I was from Nebraska. He decided to let me have it. Okay? Turn over to uh, James 4. And I'm going to be in the NIV, Helen, if that, if that helps you. You know, Jesus came... You know, John 10.10, pastor quotes it all the time. Jesus came that we might have life abundantly. You know, when we're in stress and conflict and division with people, that does not feel like life abundantly. And, and the reason is God doesn't want you living there. He, doesn't, he wants that whole Teflon thing working here and that just, all that just fall off of you and don't even pay any attention to it. 
See, I think if, if you're honest, when you look at those situations, you'll see the enemy working there trying to distract you and keep you from having something. I think, I think the enemy seriously has kept me out of friendships that I could have had because he disrupted them and made conflict when there should have been peace. But, you know, I'm smarter now than I used to be, I hope. I am. Are you in James 4? This is really interesting. The Lord showed me this one day. Uh, what causes fights and uh, did I tell you verse one? What causes fights and quarrels among you? Well, that's a good question, isn't it? Probably ought to stop and ask that one. Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You desire to have, so you kill. You covet. Now look at this. But you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. Do you see that? Think about that for a minute. You cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. Yeah, the Lord stopped me one day and had me look at that. He didn't say what he could have said. Dave, you big baby, you don't get what you want, so you're quarreling and fighting. I was having a problem with somebody, and uh, somebody in my family, and uh, I was frustrated with them. And I was, uh, on a daily basis, getting more frustrated with them. And the Lord stopped me reading this one day. And he says, you're not getting what you want. And therefore, you're upset with him. Now think about that for a minute. I was upset because they weren't acting in the way I thought they should act. Well, guess what? You know, sometimes we can get very controlling about things. We want to fix things. We want you to, I want you to act the way I want you to act. I don't want you to act in the way you're acting. I don't like the way you're acting. But you know what? I ultimately cannot control what somebody else does. I cannot control what you do. I can't control what you say. All I can do is control what I do or what I say. And with God's help, I want to act in the right way. But that's ultimately the truth. I can't, I can't make you act in the way I think you should act. There was a little kid that his mom was trying to put him in timeout by having him sit on a stair, and she had to tell him about 30 times, and he finally sat down on the stair, and, uh, and then he looked at her and said, I am sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. <laughs> wow. Hello. That's me sometimes. I probably shouldn't admit that. I'm the, I'm the associate pastor up here talking. I should tell you that I've overcome all that. That would not be entirely correct, so I'm not going to say that. You know, we can't, we can't always control what other people do, but I can control what I do. So what am I going to do? Turn over to John 13. Now, I want you to think about this. Jesus is talking about love here. Do you know that church people don't want to hear about love? Did you know that? They don't. They don't want to hear about love. I'll show you. I'll prove it to you here in a second. Because the disciples were no different than us. John 13. You there? You know, when, when you can't control what other people do, I don't know why in the world we waste time trying to get them to do what we want them to do. You know what I mean? I was talking to one of my friends one day 
and he told me his theory on youth ministry, and I thought, well, that's about the opposite of what the Word of God says. What on earth? And, and I knew it better than to say anything to him. I wasn't going to say a word to him because I thought, you're just wrong, but that's okay. I'll just pray for you. And, and I did, and I, I went back home, and I, I said, Lord, you know, he is, he's wanting to be in ministry, and he's a good man, but his brain is all wrong on this, and I don't know how to help him, but you could straighten him out. Honest to God, the next day, he came to me, and he goes, you remember what I said to you yesterday? That wasn't right. You know, here's the truth. And, and he started telling me, and I'm like, well, yes, you. <sighs> See, I can't fix him. I can't fix you. I can't fix anybody. God's word can. God can do it, though. And so that's why we submit to him. That's why Psalm 50, call upon him in the, na- in the day of trouble. Call upon him every day. You know, he, he's your God. You know, we have that relationship. There's a covenant relationship. That means there's obligations on both sides. People don't, well, God's not obligated. Sure he is. He gave himself obligations. And he put himself into a covenant, the New Testament of the Bible. It's a new covenant. He put himself into obligations toward you. And and if you will call upon him, he will rescue you. That's his part. It isn't your part to rescue yourself. It isn't your part. And the Bible says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him what? Figure it out. Go to the internet. Go to Google and figure it out. For crying out loud. No, 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 no. We're supposed to go to God. Call upon him in the day of trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will honor me. See, that's how it works. Your answer is not in Google. Okay. Did I say that? Yes, I did say that. Are you in John 13? Jesus said this. Verse... 34. We'll start there. A new commandment I give you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Do you remember, those of you who are old enough, you know, the old hippie song, they will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. See, but people don't want to hear about love. They don't want to hear Jesus commanding us to love. They don't want to hear that all the other commandments are wrapped up in this one thing, that that you love one another and love God. They don't want to hear that. How do I know that? Back up to, we're going to read this in context, okay? I'm going to back, we're going to back up to verse 33. Here's Jesus talking right before he dies, meeting with his disciples, And he says, little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, how does that love work? How can we pour out our love for each other? Do you see that? No, he didn't. He skipped right over what Jesus said about love. He didn't listen to one word of it. He skipped right over it and went back to the previous thing Jesus had said. Jesus had said, and he said, Lord, where are you going? What are you doing? Forget about love. What are you talking about? Where are you going? What's going on? See, you see that? We do the exact same thing. When the pastor starts talking about loving other people, we kind of go, well, yeah, we know that. And we kind of put that on the back shelf. We may write down the verse, 
yeah, it's junk, I'll write it down, but uh, I hope he gets onto something I don't know soon because I don't want to hear about this love thing again. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another, if you choose to put your flesh down and walk in love when you don't feel like it, when uh, that person who's supposed to be giving you customer service doesn't give you customer service, when that person who uh, should be kind to you isn't being kind to you, when that person takes from you when they should be giving to you, when that person does what you don't like and not what you expect, and, and those things stir up our flesh and get us upset and get us wound up, if we can check down here in our spirit, man, and, and, and start paying attention to what he said there, we're going to walk in love. Pastor uh, Edwin quoted this verse from 1 Timothy 1.14 uh, yesterday. He said, And the grace of our Lord was more abundant with the faith and love that are found in Christ Jesus. See, see that's what you find as you're in Christ. You're going to find faith, and love. You're going to find faith to believe things are going to work out because they are going to work out. You just trust him. They're not going to maybe work out this moment or this afternoon, but they're going to work out. As you're, if you're following his plan and you're doing what you're supposed to do, things are going to work out. Payday with God's not every day, but he's going to, he'll pay. The Bible says that there's rewards for following him. Godliness has great reward both in this life and in the life to come. Uh, you know, as, as we do what his word says, there is reward and blessing for doing that. But we got we to gotta, we gotta stick to it, amen? amen. We got to stick to it. You know, there, 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 there's a, a parable that Jesus told um, about a, a man who, who owed his master we'll say for our purposes, a million dollars. And, uh, and, and the man came to, or the master called the man in and said, okay, you owe me a million dollars. I'm going to throw you in jail because you haven't paid me a dime of what you owed me. And the man got on his knees and he begged him and he said, father or master, let me, you know, you know give me time and, and, and give me kindness. I, you know, I have a wife and kids and, 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 and if I'm in jail, I can't, and, you know, pled with him. And, and so the, the master said, you know what, I'm just going to wipe out your debt, forget about it. You know, and, he, and he cleared the debt. And, and then the, the servant left, and, and he went, and he got out on the street, and he ran into a guy who owed him five bucks, and he took hold of the man by his throat and said, pay me what you owe me. And the man's like, I don't have it, I don't have five bucks. And, he, and, and the Bible says that, that the man... The, the servant took him and threw him in jail until he could pay the last penny of it. And, and then his master found out what he had done. And he called him back in and said, you know, I forgave you a massive debt. And you couldn't even forgive this guy five bucks. And he goes, so you, you can go to jail with him until you can pay me back the last penny. So, you know... What, he, what he's talking about that is, you know, he's talking about us forgiving each other from the heart. Not just with words, 
just letting it go. You know, sometimes we're like, yeah, but, you know, uh, we, 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 we like, we have, I have my rights, though. You know, I, I, I have my rights. I, I don't deserve to be treated like this. You're right. You didn't deserve to get treated like that. But are you going to hang on to it? Jesus just blanket forgave everybody. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He just let it all go. Think about that. Isaiah 1, 19 says, If you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. You know, do you, do you feel like you don't have the good of the land? Well, check your uh, willing and your obedient, all right? Yeah, check, you get your checklist out and check on those two. Make sure you're doing both of those. Not just one. Hello? Not just the obedient one, but are you willing? Think about that. I, I, I remember... I remember as a young man, very young man, I was 20-ish, and, uh, and going through that, you know, you're, you're doing the whole independence thing from your parents, and your family is on some level driving you a little crazy. Hope they're not watching today. They probably are. But, uh, you know, you know what I mean? When you're that age, you know, your family's trying to tell you what to do still and try to control your life. And uh, I, I was in a church service. And uh, there was a prophet there, and a, a pretty well-known prophet at the time in the Word of Faith movement. And, and he called me up, and he spoke things over my life that I was like, oh my, you know, he read my mail, in other words. But, but, but uh, I mean, he, he read my mail. But the last thing he said to me is, I have given you your family as a gift to you. And I thought to myself at that moment, not much of a gift, Lord, but okay. <laughs> So I was talking to a pastor in those days about my family, and I was talking about some things, and I was griping and complaining about an individual in my family who I felt had wronged me, and they had wronged me. And, and, uh, and I was griping to him, and I was talking to him, and he, and he stopped me, and he goes, what do you see good in that person? And I, in my, you know, very youthful frustration and bitterness and anger over the whole situation, I don't see anything good. And he looked at me, and he goes, well, you're not looking close enough. Well, you know what? That's true. And, and once I got quiet and honest, you know, my family is a gift to me. They're wonderful people. But, but, but sometimes, uh, you know, the people who are closest to us are the ones who hurt us the most. And, you know, they may not see how they're treating us, how they're insulting us, how they're holding us back, all right? But, but, but just in general, how, how do we deal with people who have wronged us? You know, how, how do we deal with that? How do we put value when someone's truly wronged us, all right? You know, the, the, the word says we're supposed to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves in dealing with the outside people, all right? In dealing with people, we're supposed to be wise and not cause further harm. You see that? Wise as serpents. See, sometimes people forget about that. Oh, we're just Christians. We're supposed to be doormats. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. You're absolutely in no way shape. Do you think Jesus was a doormat? Are you kidding? you think Paul was a doormat? No. No, 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 no. That isn't what the word says. The word doesn't say anything about that. It, 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 it says, you know, in fact, Jesus said, whoever causes one of these little ones to stumble, 
the ones who are doing the offending, it would be better, it said, if they had a millstone hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. You know? and, 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 and God said, what else did he say? He goes, it is mine to... Uh, uh, okay, it just, I'm, I'm, I'm losing my, my train of thought here. It's mine. We don't take our own revenge, right? It, it, you know, it's, it's God's wrath. It says, uh, let's see, Ephesians 12 and 18. Now, never take your own revenge, brothers, but leave room for the wrath of God. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. You let God deal with them. But what are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to deal with that person who's wronged you? How are you supposed to deal with that person who's offended you? You know, first of all, what, what a lot of people do is they just walk around in bitterness. Ever been there? I have. They just walk around mulling it over. They're just angry. You know, they did this to me or they did that to me. And people have had truly horrible things happen to them. And they're just carrying that around and carrying that around. But, you know, the old, the old saying is, is that, that, you know, uh, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. You know, they're probably not even thinking about you. They're not miserable. You're the one who's miserable. So, so what are you going to do about that? Well, number one, I'd say you get, get yourself to a safe place, right? You don't keep yourself in harm's way. You don't keep yourself in a place where you're going to get hurt. I mean, really hurt. You don't do that. Okay, now, all of us can hurt each other. I'm not talking about, okay, I'm going to go live in a mountain top somewhere in a little hut and you know, eat grass. No, that isn't, that's not what I'm saying here, okay? I, I'm saying that, 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 that we all have to deal with lots of things, but I'm talking about a truly dangerous situation. We need to get ourselves to a safe place. And if we're going to be around those people who have offended us, um, you can write this verse down, 2 Timothy 4, you can put it up there. You know, Paul, Paul said this. He said, he wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, and, and he's telling Timothy how to conduct himself and how to get things taken care of in his life. And, and he said to him, now look at this. See, some people just have this idea of we're just love. Okay, no, Paul, Paul walked in love. But he wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him, right? Right? The Lord will repay him according to his de deeds, verse 15. Be on your guard against him yourself. You see that? He didn't say, Timothy, you just be a doormat, let him do whatever he wants to you, and you just love him anyway. No, 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 that's ridiculous. Does that sound ridiculous? Yeah, it does, because it is. No, Paul said, be on your guard. Protect yourself. Keep yourself safe. Keep yourself away from that person. Because he did me much harm, and he's probably going to do you much harm. So, you know, Paul, Paul's not stupid. Hello. See, see, get, people get the wrong idea here. So, you know, do we, do we walk in love? Yeah. Paul walked in love toward Alexander the coppersmith. I bet he prayed for him. I bet he yep. stood in the gap for him and, and prayed for his salvation and prayed for his restoration. But, but you know what? Paul can't fix Alexander the coppersmith. Paul can only fix Paul. And that with God's help. So, so Paul wasn't trying to do anything to, about Alexander the coppersmith except to tell Timothy to be on his guard. See, we got to be smart about these things. we got to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves in dealing with people around us. Now, we don't devalue them because we think they're a bad person or because they, they may be a bad person. They may be a person who's out trying to hurt everybody they can. Be on your guard. 
Don't be stupid. Hello. Hello. You know, God gave us his love. <clears throat> this will be real profound. You ready? God gave us his love so that we could love. I know that's real profound. When my, when my father, when I was a young man and, my, and I was moving out, my father gave me a bunch of tools. He gave me the tools because he knew I was going to need those tools when I bought a house. And, and I, had, I, I, I needed those things. He knew I would need those things. So he gave me the tools that I would need to own a house and be uh, able to take care of the, the routine maintenance. He knew I would probably have to get help for some things. But he knew that there were some things I could do. So he gave me some good tools, real nice ones. God's, that's exactly what God's done for us. He's given us all the tools we need to get along with other people, to value other people, to love other people, to bless other people, to have faith in them, to have hope in them, to forgive them, to guard ourselves against them if we need to. See, he gave us all the tools we needed. He said if you lack wisdom, to ask him. If you don't know how to deal with somebody, ask him. He'll show you. But, but you know what? God is, is so good. And, and, and the word says that in him we live and move and have our being. You know, as you focus on him, as you develop that relationship with him, a lot of these things just are going to fall off. When somebody says something to you, you're going to be like, oh, they're having a bad day. You know, what does a Pastor Tony always say? You know, somebody says something or does something, you're going to pour gas on the fire, you can pour water on the fire. You know, that's, guess what, up to you. Not up to God how you deal with it. He's already given you the tools. We just got to make the right choice. We got to make the decision, how are we going to love? Are we going to do what Jesus said? Are we going to just let those love verses, oh, well, yeah, I've heard that before, skip on by that? Or are we going to stop there and say, okay, a new commandment, not the new suggestion that I've given you, that you love one another, it wasn't a suggestion, hello, all right, let's pray.